Welcome to Catholic Living, a podcast that hopes to be a user's guide to the Catholic faith. We boldly ask, what if this stuff is all true? How then should we live? This is brought to you by Ex Corde at Benedictine College in Atchison, Kansas. I'm Tom Hoops. I'm writer in residence here at the college. And you can read what I write at alatea.org or excorde.org. And I want to talk today about how the pandemic was exactly what the church needed in our time. And I'm going to build a positive case for that and a negative case for that. Uh, but first, we have to decide, well, what was or is the pandemic anyway? And there's two ways of looking at it, of course. You can see it as a massive panicked overreaction bordering on insanity where we cut each other off through fear. Or you can see it as a beautiful exercise in solidarity where even those who weren't at risk wore masks and took precautions so that others would be saved. I must admit, I have no idea which way to look at it. I've seen the stacks of evidence showing that each of those views is the correct one. I like what Victor Davis Hansen said. He called it America's neutron bomb because it killed lots and lots of people while leaving our institutions standing. He says it's a disease that left 600,000 dead. He was writing at the end of last year, I believe. More American casualties than the World War I and World War II combined. My own case of the coronavirus was horrific. It's the sickest I've ever been in my life. I had intense fever, chills, shortness of breath, and another symptom I didn't really know about until the nurse asked me if I had it, and my wife and I both looked at each other and said, oh yeah, he had it. And that symptom is despair, anxiety bordering on despair. So I get that the disease was really bad. I also get that the response was really bad, though. You see evidence mounting of real devastation that the reaction to the pandemic has caused. And you'll see more and more of this come as the years go on. The fear, anxiety, and dehumanization that came from social distancing and mask mandates, unemployment and isolation from so many people in lockdowns. It led to a devastating psychological toll that included suicide, domestic abuse, drug abuse, alcoholism, depression, and anxiety. We have no idea what it did to our children to be masked, what that did to their education to take a year off, what that did to their brain development, what that did to their psychological feeling of ease with the world. So was the response worse? I don't know. It was really, really bad. In either case, I know that our neighbors are sorely in need of exactly what the Catholic Church can offer. And that's where I want to talk about the negative and positive case for the Catholic Church during the pandemic. Negatively, the pandemic revealed that the church is way, way weaker than it has ever been before. Possibly. Positively, it revealed that the church is way, way stronger and in a better position than it ever has been before. Possibly. Let me explain what I mean. Negatively, dioceses across the United States and really across the world abrogated the Sunday Mass obligation, which is totally understandable and not unprecedented in a pandemic. 
But it is impossible to abrogate the third commandment, and the church seemed to do very little to keep that during the pandemic. The Abatine martyrs back in the day said, without Sunday, we cannot live. Our bishop seemed to say, no Sunday, no problem. And I've got to interrupt myself here to point out that Archbishop Nauman had great things to say about receiving communion, even when it endangers you to do so. Really beautiful and important during the pandemic. And my own pastor, Father Jeremy, here in Atchison, made sure to keep confession available throughout the pandemic, to which I'm eternally, literally eternally grateful. But I recently visited the National Catholic Prayer Breakfast in Washington, D.C., and met priests and bishops and members of their flocks who stayed open during the pandemic. These are pastors who were as clever and determined as Walmart and McDonald's to provide what they had to offer to their customers. Only what they had to offer was the saving grace of Jesus Christ, whereas Walmart and McDonald's only had burgers and merchandise. They said they were overwhelmed with the number of people who thanked them for being fighters and for being heroes. And they said, we weren't heroes at all. Giving people the sacraments is literally our one job. Why would we ever stop doing it? And you know what? That's exactly how I felt. When you look in the creed, you see that the church is one holy, Catholic, and apostolic. Well, how is it holy? It's not holy in its holy members. It's holy in its origin, which is Jesus Christ, its goal, which is to lead souls to heaven, and its means, which are the sacraments. However I th bad I thought the church was, I always figured, well, at least they still provide the sacraments. I thought of the church as a sacrament dispensing machine that would keep serving me in this way no matter what happened. Well, when the pandemic came along, I was in for a rude awakening, and I realized, oh, they don't even care about giving me the sacraments all the time. Now, I totally understand it's difficult in a situation like this to make the right decisions. I was part of a leadership team here at Benedictine College, and the one thing we learned is that no matter what answer you give, it's the wrong answer. So I totally understand where pastors and bishops could go wrong. But the great takeaway for me from the pandemic isn't that the church is led by sinners. I knew that already. It's that it's up to the laity to spread the faith. There's two ways you can think about the priests who failed to give the sacraments during the pandemic. This is my new thing. You can think of them as, okay, so imagine that doctors refused to help people during the pandemic. You would think, oh my gosh, how pathetic is that? This is their one job, and this is when people need it most, and they're not doing their one job. Right? That's how I feel sometimes about priests who didn't give people the sacraments during the pandemic. Or you can think about it another way, and I think that this is a legitimate way to think about it too. You can think about it as Spider-Man, Peter Parker, trying to come to terms with his superpowers in a difficult time. He's afraid. He doesn't know what's going to happen. He knows he has these powers that nobody else has, but he has to find it within himself to be the superhero that the world needs when they need it. Well, I get it. It is hard. It was hard for everybody during the pandemic, and it was hard for priests. But I would argue that with great power comes great responsibility. So what about the positive case for the church during the pandemic? Well, I think the pandemic revealed the church to be far greater than I had realized. 
the way I look at it is the pandemic cleared out the haze of diocesan mediocrity that so many Catholics around the country face, and a bright constellation of Catholic lights appeared in the sky. I, for one, always knew that Bishop Robert Barron was a smart guy with great things to say, but without the pandemic, I never would have discovered his deep series of homilies about the Old Testament, which literally transformed the way I look at the Bible. And I've been writing about the Bible for years. I also always liked Father Mike Schmitz. I thought he had clever things to say on YouTube. But now I thank God daily as I walk my dog surrounded by his Bible in a Year podcast community. The pandemic revealed to me that we live in an age of not just one, but dozens of Fulton Sheens. In fact, we have a Fulton Sheen for every taste and age group. We have funny Fulton Sheens like Jennifer Fulweiler and Matt Frad. We have brainy Fulton Sheens like Father Robert Spitzer, who's amazing. We have Scott Hahn, the biblical Fulton Sheen. We have whole organizations of Fulton Sheens, the Augustine Institute, Word on Fire, Ascension, Catholic Answers. Seeing the needs of the church in this difficult time literally led to the creation of Ex Corde. So I think all of this is not only going to change the Catholic Church. I think this is going to change America and change the world. You know, it was about 245 years ago that the Great Awakening sparked the American Revolution. People rediscovering their faith despite the Enlightenment. People rediscovering the biblical message were turned on with evangelical fervor and decided to found a new nation based on life, liberty, and the pursuit of Aristotelian happiness, which is pursuit of virtue, just saying. Well, what's going to happen when so many people are listening to, for instance, the Bible in a Year podcast or Bishop Robert Barron? I think the same thing is going to happen on a much bigger scale. You're going to see people knowing Jesus Christ far better because they're reading the scripture and they're understanding it. To know him is to love him. So you're going to see people's lives changing. You already are seeing people's lives changing. You're going to see people finding hope in our faithless time, people discovering the broken families that are at the very history of our faith in the Old Testament will realize, well, it's not so bad that families are so broken today. We can bounce back. People discovering the corrupt religious people and corrupt governments that the prophets talk about are going to realize, you know what, we can deal with what we have today. And you'll see more and more people take what they know and reach out in a thousand innovative ways to promote the faith in America. This is exactly what happened here at Benedictine College with our Transforming Culture in America plan, which is exactly what the church and the world needs after this pandemic. And it's exactly what we're doing here at Ex Corde. So what to do about the negative aspect, the church as failing to reach out to people in our time? Well, we've been told from Vatican II on over and over again that the church is not the hierarchy. We are the church. And the failure of the church in so many respects during the pandemic to be innovative and imaginative and tireless in bringing us the sacraments during the pandemic remind me that the, this was not the church's first pandemic, right? This was not the church's first rodeo. In his book, The Rise of Christianity, scholar Rodney Stark points out that it was two pandemics, 
one in the year 165 and one about 100 years later that literally paved the way of the church in the future. He said, had classical society not been disrupted and demoralized by these two pandemics, Christianity might not have become so dominant a faith. So what did the early Christians do during those first two pandemics, and what should we do to follow their example? First, Christians had hope in the face of hardship. What people need in times like this more than ever is hope. In the episode we did on the 9-11 Catholic heroes, hope was critical for people in difficult situations. Well, people need hope in a pandemic also, and the way they got it in the first pandemic that the church faced was by watching the church. While the pagan gods of Rome were failing their followers when they fell on hard times, Stark says, in contrast, Christianity offered a more satisfactory account of why these terrible times had fallen upon humanity. It projected a hopeful, even enthusiastic portrait of the future. Second, Christians had hope even when they faced death. The Roman gods give you no hope for death, only a hazy afterlife where you hope to be in some Elysian fields. Christians had a leader who was crucified, and his image was always before them, so we knew how to handle death. Third, Christians excelled at building community. As we're learning the hard way in our own time, community is absolutely necessary for human survival. What is coming to us as a painful lesson as we watch addictions and isolation was an exciting discovery to the first Christians. Stark wrote, Christianity did not grow because of miracle working in the marketplaces or because Constantine said it should, or even because the martyrs gave it such credibility. It grew because Christians constituted an intense community. Their love and care for each other before, during, and after the pandemics was so strong that nothing could break them. Fourth, Christians did so well because Christians were so charitable. Christians served others with care and intentionality, promoting healing and hope. As Dionysius wrote, most of our brother Christians showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Heedless of danger, they took care of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ. Fifth, early Christians were enthusiastic about the way they had found. They were great evangelizers. Stark wrote, the primary means of its growth was through the united and motivated efforts of the growing numbers of Christian believers who invited their friends, relatives, and neighbors to share the good news. So what should we do in the face of pandemics today? I think we need to do exactly what the early Christians did. They weren't polarized by rage. They were polarized by love. They didn't complain constantly about what the church did and didn't do. They instead reached out to who they could. In fact, back then, the Christians faced one of their first major dilemmas, and that's what to do with people who did the wrong thing during the pandemic. Some Christians were told to sacrifice to pagan idols, uh, and they said, okay, <laughs> and to avoid being martyred. They were called the lapsed Christians, and the Sacrament of Reconciliation, as we know it today, was developed to bring those people back. This is what we have to do. Yes, the church made some errors. Yes, the government made some errors. Yes, our neighbors, our family members, people we know, people we used to hang out with made some errors. 
Now is the time to forgive them and move forward, build community, serve each other, evangelize, and forgive. It's a new day and a new field is ripe for the harvest. St. Augustine said God would never allow any evil whatsoever to exist in his works if he was not so all-powerful and good as to cause good to emerge from evil itself. The church that was born at the crucifixion, lived through the age of martyrdom, lived through plagues, lived through what we've lived through, lived through what Christians are living through in the Middle East right now, has the resources it needs to find hope in a situation even in the coronavirus pandemic. Pope Benedict said, Christians uniquely offer the very thing which the suffering person and every living person needs most, loving personal concern. People are lonely, people are anxious, people are upset, they don't know why this is happening, they don't know what is happening, but according to the Catechism, there is not a single aspect of the Christian message that is not in part an answer to the question of evil. So as the virus attacks faith, hope, and love in our communities, Jesus put an answer in our communities, and that's you and that's me. All right, people talk about how badly off the church is, and I get it. There's the nuns, there's people leaving in droves, there's the sorry state of our parishes and other institutions. But God is seeing this too, and in his great mercy, I believe, he sent us a pandemic. We absolutely pray for those who have been lost, but we also thank him for the new lease on life it gave to so many of us who survived. He wants us to pray, love, worship, and build community like the future of the world depends on it, because it does. Thanks for listening. I'm Tom Hoops, and this is the Catholic Living Podcast produced by Ex Corde at Benedictine College. Our mission is to produce media that will transform culture in America through Benedictine's mission of community, faith, and scholarship. We firmly believe that the church is changing the world, not the other way around. Visit us at excorde.org.